You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 93 with Chris Williams. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Jimmy, super excited to be here. Yeah, man, you are super easy to talk to. So these are like my favorite uh, um, episodes where we can just kind of shoot the shit and uh, and see where it goes. We're going to talk about high ticket sales, which is um, obviously a great topic uh, for a lot of agencies, uh, if they're especially if they're still doing lower ticket stuff, want to know how to get into it. Um, you've got a lot of things going on. You've got like a, a Facebook group where I know you are super engaged with your audience. Um, they're quite impressive, actually. Like uh, the amount of sort of personal, uh, I guess, attention you give everyone in the group is quite impressive. You've got masterminds. You help aid agencies in so many ways. Um, before I bastardize the crap out of this, tell people a little bit about uh, what you do. Sure. Thanks. So it's really pretty simple to me, at least. I, I do three things. I have my own creative agency. We work with a lot of high-end surgeons in niche communities around the United States. And then I have this Facebook group that you mentioned, Elite Agency Inner Circle. Love that group. I spend quite a bit of time in there because I just love the community. And then the third thing I do is I teach a mastermind for creative agency owners who really want to learn to scale and really maximize those profit margins and work a lot less. I work about 30 minutes a day. So that kind of is the model we follow and we just try to make a lot of money in a lot less time. Yeah. It's pretty ideal. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Right. You can create it. Why not create it? Yeah, absolutely. So you've obviously outsourced a lot of this stuff um, for your agency. I assume you're not even working in the agency anymore at this point, if you're working that little. Yeah. I just, um, you know, it's probably three times a week that I actually get involved in the agency and my staff kind of batches those conversations together. And yeah, we have seven staff and we outsource probably 95% of everything we sell. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So is, I guess if we're talking about high ticket sales, um, at some point, the industry you choose is going to come into that. Like I heard that you talk about, um, working with surgeons, right? Sure. Um, was that uh, specifically selected? It was. So I'm a data guy and I love following the numbers. This is our fourth agency and it's the fourth agency because we followed that niche down, down, down the rabbit hole, so to speak, to make sure we really maximize the time, the money we made and how much we actually enjoyed working in that space. So every time we could reiterate and follow that a little farther than we have and, you know, seven or eight years later, it's really produced the results we wanted. Um, I love it. it. it does what I want it to do. It's the right machine, right? You yeah. can build it. That's awesome. And so I guess, you know, there's two ways we can talk here. Like how, how I mean, that journey actually sounds quite interesting. Um, and maybe that's a good place to start on rather than just going straight to, straight to high ticket. I mean, did you grow into this? Like uh, were you high ticket from the beginning? Yeah. So I, I grew into it when I was 11. Um, <laughs> So not quite from the beginning. When I was 11, I started cutting grass around the neighborhood, right? Like people do. You get a lawnmower, you start pushing around, knocking on doors. Mm. And I, I realized I needed more equipment. So a neighbor down the street had a self-propelled lawnmower. That was the golden goose for me. I had to have a self-propelled <laughs> lawnmower. So I went down there, talked to him into letting me cut the grass if I could have the lawnmower at the end of the season. So I cut uh-huh. the grass for free all summer. 
And then I sweeten the deal and say, hey, I'll also edge it and I'll blow it if I can keep the lawnmower this season at my house. So then I had a lawnmower that I could use for everybody else's lawn, spent the summer building a business and learned every third sale, I would increase the price. All right. So I'd make three sales at 20 bucks a lawn. Then I go to 25, three more sales. Then I go to 30, three more sales. I go to 35 and so on. And I, I learned the process of selling and I realized that the number that was on the invoice was connected to a perceived value the person had. And it wasn't based on the square footage or the kind of grass they had. And so as a kid, I also realized money is disconnected from reality. Money is connected to people's perception of value. Oh, one, uh, one perfect example of that, I feel, is the new Apple Pro wheels that have come out. I don't know if you've seen this. No. They've got a set of wheels that go on the back and bottom of your Mac Pro and they cost 700 US dollars. For really? Wheels. I got my Mac Pro right here. It has a wheel. Why do I need wheels for it? So I can push uh, around the house? You're, I don't know, man. So you can show people you've got $700 wheels? It's like... <laughs> No, 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 I'm like, not, not the laptop. Up here. Where is it going to go? I'm talking about the desktop, the big, the big desktop okay. Mac Pro, not, not a freaking okay. laptop. Imagine that, like wheeling your little like, laptop dude. around the desk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I'm totally with you on that, that like, you know, the way, I guess, like, I mean, every industry has examples of this, like fashion, for example, you know, like you see, like, that's why brand names like Gucci and stuff exist with these, like, this same kind of product, just, you know, different perceive value by their target audience yes um, does at some point though like um the ability to pay would come into this right so like you can't i'm sure you can't charge 100 bucks for a lawn in like a low socioeconomic area you might have to move to a nicer place right so as you as you begin to realize hey i know i can sell this for more and more then it narrows your market focus a little bit so there's the 80-20 rule plays out. So there's 80% of the people who can't or will never perceive the value to be that high. And there's 20% who can afford it and will perceive it to be that high. And so you constantly are shifting. And that's what we begin to do in lawns. Then we're getting our agency models, four agencies in now that I mentioned. We've continued to shift our focus to follow that 20%, the high-end group that can afford it and perceives the value. Surgeons just happened to be where we're at right now, but we've tried this model in dozens of different industries. It works flawlessly every time. You just have to call out the 20% who perceive and can take action on their perception. So this is just a, like, I guess I'm trying to articulate how people can, like when you say, what is this model? Like you talk about this model, sorry, I'm like wondering, is that literally just the iterative process of choosing your top 20% of clients and then doubling down? Yeah, it really is. So there's there's obviously an approach that's important when it comes to selling something high ticket. So there's a, a warm lead you want to create, referral, trust, testimonials, whatever you can do to start generating that trust before you actually show up to sell. Mm. And then really listening and understanding what the prospect and client or prospective client is thinking and feeling. And then really understanding how to weave that that offer you're going to make into the perceived value. And a lot of people hear a need and they think, oh, I've got the answer. I've got the widget. I've got the three steps that solve the problem. But they don't, they don't realize that that's the low ticket offer. The high ticket offer is fixing the emotional perceived 
fear or um, confusion or insecurity that's going on. And that's where the money's at. It's in that perceived emotional set of needs, not the actual literal. We fixed the literal set of needs. We solved mm-hmm. the problem, but we really focus on selling to that, that higher end perceived feeling set. Oh, yeah, that makes uh, total sense, right? Because, I mean, if you're selling, a, like you said, a widget, you know, if you've got a website, um, if if they can then bounce between five different freelancers or agencies and, and you're all selling a website, then it's just going to be priced, right, that they're going to look at. Absolutely. So, I guess how like, how do you get into, like, I don't know, just talk about the process of, like, <laughs> how how people can, like, learn how to better sell these high ticket things to people. Like, especially like, let, let's start, like not everyone listening is going to be selling a $500 website. Um, there's going to be a range. Um, but like how, where do, where do people start to learn how to sell higher ticket things? Yeah. So I, I always tell folks in our mastermind or in the Facebook group or anybody just calls and ask, I tell folks to start with a, a number of deals and then increase up. Most people struggle with high ticket sales, not because their market can't afford it or they don't have the opportunity to sell something next week at a higher ticket. It's usually in their head. And what's going on in our head slows us down because we think where we are right now financially, I think, you know, if I'm, let's say, let's say a hundred thousand dollar car makes me cringe. Like how can I ever afford a hundred thousand dollar car? Then selling a hundred thousand dollar deal is going to make you cringe internally. So, you know, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the market that you want to sell to and realize that's not expensive. They won't blink at a hundred. So you should think 500 or a million, you should think a bigger number and you want them to cringe a little bit. And if I'm closing better than 25% of the deals that I get in front of, then I raise the price. I always want to be closing slightly less than 25%. And typically, I raise the price. All of a sudden, I start selling at 50% again, 60% again, whatever it is. And I realize, dang it, it was in my head again. I should have raised the price again. Raise the price. My confidence goes down a little bit. I start selling at 25% and then boom, boom, boom. I start clicking back up because I get confident with a new number. And I keep pushing that envelope until I can't go any farther with the market. And if the market is, is pulling back pretty consistently and I realize my sales process is perfect, I'm not cringing. I got the guts for this. Here's my price point and I'm not selling over that 25%. Then we take the 25% we're selling, and every year we go through this exercise in my agency, and we look and see of the, of the ones who bought at that highest level, what are, what's going on? What's their commonality? Who are they? What's the profile of that person? And then we go looking for only that kind of person for the next 12 months. Nice. So that becomes my easy to sell group. And then I find if that's my new 100%, I find that the 80-20 rule works there. I find that next 20% up higher group who I can upsell. The next year we roll that up, roll that up. You can iterate that once a quarter. You could do it once a year. It just depends on your sales volume and how many times you get to go around the block. I'm interested, is this like a similar kind of service you're offering all these people or is there additional stuff? Because I just know there's like a, you know, um, 
this 80-20 rule can be applied in a few different ways, right? Like if you have uh, a membership or you have like a an info product, right? That costs 50 yeah. bucks. Uh, they say that like 10% of your audience will be able to, will be willing to pay 10 times the amount. So 10% of that $50 info product audience are going to be okay to spend maybe 500 bucks on a consult call or something. And then it's like 10% of those will be willing to pay five grand for, I don't know, one-on-one coaching, like random example. But are you hearing offers like that or is this literally just the same service that you're um just finding the right clients for good question we used to tier the offer when we were experimenting with each market anytime we get in a new industry we have tiered offers because we want to know what's working and why at different levels just to help us understand the psychology of that group Hmm. and then once we figured out and we really locked in enough numbers where we understand okay this highest tier group here's who they are and here's the buying pattern then we literally just cut out the lower two tiers. If it's three tiers, we cut the bottom out from under it. I have no interest in working, not because I don't like the people, but there's no reason to spend your business time working with the lower tier folks when you could spend just as much time earning literally 50 to 100 times as much just because that top tier group is there. And the cool thing is, that humans, even though we love to think we're all special little snowflakes and no, no two people are like, we're all freaking really alike. And it's really <laughs> easy to categorize and block us together and know what we're going to think and say. And you mm. can grab that upper tier and predict their movements, predict the sales pattern, predict their emotional needs and sell to that. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting to, you know, cause I feel like we've almost gone the opposite way. We've got a software product um, that helps people gather content from clients. Most people listening will know this, Um, but recently we've actually gone the other way, right? Like like pretty typical SaaS pricing, I guess, for like small agencies or freelancers, like it was 30 bucks, 30 bucks, um, 70 bucks, and then like an enterprise plan, which varies on the client, you know, 200 bucks Mm -hmm. plus a month, right? We actually introduced a a $9 plan. We went the other way um, in like... Yeah, interestingly, like I, I didn't, I never knew if this would be a good idea or not. Um, just because like, we were thinking about doing freemium, right? It was like yeah. I really like. I know some people that are really big on freemium. Uh, we don't really have the resources for freemium. Like if everything I was reading about, I'm like, you need some pretty serious like uh, power to make freemium work. And I didn't think mm-hmm. we had that. So that's what the kind of nine dollar thing was. It was just like a no brainer level for people to get in at. Um, and then hopefully they grow with the product. But, you know, it is, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, you get this in every industry where a lot of time you end up spending most of your time on the people paying the least, mm-hmm. um, which we're totally okay with for now um, because it's like, you know, this, this, I, I kind of, I like the idea of creating advocates and having good support and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's a bit yeah. easier with a SaaS product because your overheads are lower. Um, mm. I don't know. Well, I'm just interested in your take on on what we've done and if you think that's a shocking idea. <laughs> no, I think it's a cool idea. And, and if I, I don't have a product, so um, I have done for you services or very high touch masterminds. So mm. in a real sense, we followed a five-star resort model. Um, we we're a nice. white glove concierge style agency. We handle our, our clients that way and our creative agency. We handle our mastermind group that way. We are very, very on it. That's why you see so much of my activity in our Facebook group. Our style of working with people is we're all in. Yeah. So if I had a product though that was automated and didn't require a lot of time, 
then a lower price point and going for volume makes sense. I'd be curious though. Um, I wonder if in your market, let's say the, the $30 a month version, is there a, is there a slice of your market that would just simply pay $300 for the same exact offer just because they could and $300 didn't make them blink and it was simple and you put the link in front of them, you know? Yeah. So yes and no. So um, we've thought about this a lot, right? And um, there are clients here. We have a few people on the enterprise plan, but we're talking like large agencies, like hundred plus people Mm -hmm. um, or um, enterprises. Like um, we have a top 10 airline using it um, that, well, I don't know. I don't know what their future looks like now. (laughs) Thank you, coronavirus. (laughs) Sucks. Um, And then actually another another one of our biggest clients is a um, events company, which is Mm -hmm. also kind of in dire straits right now. That's a thing, really, really well-known events company. These guys have the money to spend, but you know, I feel like the amount of effort to to get those guys across the line and get in front of them is not worth the extra price. Like I feel yeah. like it would be easier to get ten people in at thirty than it would be to get one of these in at three hundred. Um, well said, and and that's another market split there that we've analyzed and chosen. So we go after sole owners and entrepreneurs. We do not go after corporations. That's mm-hmm. me and my brand. Because of that very thing, it's hard to get a higher ticket deal past a corporate client Mm -hmm. because the person who's making the decision has a spreadsheet, a budget, all these checks and balances, and they're just trying to nickel and dime it. And the individuals just simply want the problem to go away. And they're allowed to make decisions based on their feelings, whereas corporations make decisions based on facts. So that's not Mm. to say that our product or service doesn't handle the factual needs of our clients. It's just our clients feel the value in a different way than a corporate board does. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's actually really cool to hear that you're still selling like to the people that can make the decision. Cause like that, that is such a big issue with corporations. Like having worked in one, like everyone's always like, what? you know, the product like a content scenario could actually be used in the old engineering company that I work for. They actually have a need for what we do. And it's just like, I, we know people in that uh, company and still it's like, I don't think we could get them across the line. No. Cause <laughs> you know, and it's like, how would we, and we also did a big project for them, like a, a code like development projects. People are like, you know, it's like, why don't you go and sell exactly what you're doing to other big companies? And I'm like, I am not like, I don't want to like be in boardrooms and have to fly to other cities just to talk to someone to like go through all this bullshit and then not get them over the line. There'll be like eight people um, scrutinizing us. Like I just can't think of anything worse to do. I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) We we went and tried it and it just simply wasn't worth the time or the effort and it made Mm. my life miserable and I didn't like it, you know? So, you know, if you're doing high ticket, like how do you find the individuals that are willing to spend enterprise level money? Because <laughs> that's kind of what it sounds like you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So we've um, developed a process over the years through organic marketing. We literally never run ads or any kind of paid traffic for our high ticket offers. Mm-hmm. Everything goes relationally based. And 
some people say, well, that's not cool because I don't have the testimonials or the track record or whatever to get a referral or you don't need that to start with. You really don't. We didn't have it. We've started four different agencies in four different industries. And then we've worked in dozens of others. And in every one of those, we started without any kind of background or testimonial base. It's just simply relationally selling and making offers. So we go to people that we know or that we can get an opportunity to talk to in a market. And then we ask them, we explain what we do in our basic value proposition, even if it's not fully evolved. And then we ask them for who they know that could benefit from that kind of conversation. Just so we could reach out to and offer help to, and we get a referral. Oh, All right. Man. That first referral generation, once we go and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's the value offer. That person looks at us as like the neighbor's kid down the street. They're never going to see us any different than that. But when they make that referral, all of a sudden we jump, we jump a layer away and we come with instant trust and we have an opportunity to sell. That initial positioning is so powerful for getting those first couple of sales, first couple of opportunities mm-hmm. at literally double the profit margin just from one relationship jump. That's where it starts. And we only work with owners who actually have control of the checkbook. We do not mm-hmm. talk to anyone below that tier. <laughs> if if the owner won't get on the phone or a Zoom call or a face-to-face meeting, we move on. Awesome. It's really, not going to happen. I really like that philosophy. I wonder, yeah. I'm, I'm like trying to think how we can like apply this to our business, right? Because we're trying to crack some some new markets. I know it's a little bit different with product, um, but you know, we're trying to crack into uh, mortgage broking and, and finance, uh, financing um, kind of businesses right now, like asset finance, business finance, whatever, car finance, because mm-hmm. um, they need to collect documents and stuff from clients. And, you know, it's actually, I've noticed that exactly what you're saying happening without sort of realizing it in that, like, because I've reached out to a few people because I know a few people in that space, but not not many. Um, but then, yeah, if they refer them, like someone to us, we instantly have like a bit more trust and well, a lot more trust. And it's been, those other conversations have been easier. And and it's funny, like, what did you call it? It's like your neighbor's kid down the road or something. Like, yeah. I, I even feel like that when talking. I know, to right? Them, you know, it's like, <laughs> will you please help me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm selling cookies for the Boy Scout troop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's a lot like um, the price point of a high ticket offer is, let's go back to that five-star resort feel. So you walk out of your suite at a, at a nice resort and the concierge is out there in the hallway, three doors down, and they stand up and like, how can I help you, Mr. Williams? I love that feeling, right? How can I help you, Mr. Williams? Why doesn't that happen to me all the time? So anyway, <laughs> how can I help you, Mr. Williams? We offer that kind of service to our clients and we want them to just simply say, I want to go scuba diving today. How about two o'clock? And we want to just reply, perfect. Two o'clock is absolutely the best time. And then they just simply roll out of the room at two o'clock. We make it happen. Now that's obviously in a vacation setting, but in our, in our world, we do a lot of marketing, full communication, PR, all the stuff to bring a surgeon into a community, the hospitals, the doctors, the patients, all of that, getting the right message. Our doctors call us and say, Hey, we're going to move into this market. We'd like to in six months. Number one, is it viable? Can we do it? And can you make it happen? Can you make the waiting room full of patients on day one? We do a little homework. Our job as the concierge is to simply say, again, if we can, absolutely, Dr. So-and-so, what's the date you'd like to show up? And then they say that date and we say, no problem. We'll take care of it. All right. That's the white glove service. We get it all done. They think 
that the marketing, messaging, PR, everything we do is super simple. They have no idea how complicated it is. It's not their job. They're surgeons. They go do complicated stuff on their own. The thing is that we get referred, so that happens. Then we get referred to the next doctor, right? We have yeah. a very structured, intentional referral process that we take all of our clients through. It's brilliant. We get 10 times the number of referrals we actually want to work with. We cherry pick the best ones out. Really helps moving that yeah. market. So the referral process, though, when the next doctor, Dr. B, that was Dr. A we just worked with, Dr. B shows up at the resort, at my agency's <laughs> resort, uh, they, they come in saying, now, we want this amazing experience. Dr. A said it's incredible, but man, he said it's expensive. That is perfect. That happens every time we get a referral. They all say the same thing. He said, if, if we want it done right and we don't want to have to mess with it and worry about it, you're the only guy to call. But man, it sounds like it's expensive. That means they're prepped, they're prepped for a high ticket offer. Mm. And they're they still the contacting value. you. Yep, they're contacting me. They know the value. And they already exhibited the fact that they don't want to deal with all of it. They don't want the frustration. They just want mm. the problem to go away. So... Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.